Next on BYUSN, a record-setting day for Cougars in the NFL. Is this the most relevant BYU has ever been in the NFL? And is TCU playing for a national championship tonight? Give you hope the Cougars can do something similar in the Big 12? Let's go, Horned Frogs. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by what the BYU it? Store. Like that. Horned Frogs. That yeah. Let's go! BYU Store is the official outfit of BYU fans everywhere. It is Monday, January 9th. I am Spencer Linton. He is lifelong Detroit Lions fan, Jared Jordan. Listen, the Detroit Sea Lions had a great day. Uh, Seahawks uh, dramatically win an OT, knock out the Lions from playoff contention, but I know the Lions want to beat the Packers. I'd like to personally thank Jamal Williams for an incredible performance. Jared Goff, uh, you know, DeAndre Swift, the whole gang. Uh, I'd like to thank number seven on the Packers for shoving the trainer which was like the stupidest thing ever. But yes, uh, the Seahawks win. They now uh, get the chance to get beat by double digits to the Niners on Saturday. <laughs> it's going to be a bloodbath. But in the playoffs, let's go. We got to see Jamal Williams and his gold grill. Dude. Side by side with Barry Sanders on a graphic last night for making history. Much more on Jamal Williams <laughs> coming up on the program. He and Tyler Algier make BYU football history yesterday. Yeah. Cougars in the NFL. Amazing. What the Cougars' NFL success could mean for the program. Men's Hoops assistant coach Cody Figueroa on the 20-point win at San Diego. The big game with Gonzaga coming up Thursday night. And we get you an update on when we could see the Big 12 football schedule. Here are today's headlines. BYU legend and Detroit Lions running back Jamal J. Swag Daddy Williams ran for 72 yards and two touchdowns. In a win over the Green Bay Packers, Williams totaled 1,066 yards and 17 touchdowns on the season. The 17 rushing touchdowns in a season are the most in Detroit Lions history, surpassing Hall of Famer Barry Sanders. LeBron James, of all people, is a huge fan. Jamal wasn't the only former BYU back to eclipse 1,000 yards yesterday. Tyler Algier on 26 carries for 135 yards goes over the mark in a win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. His 1,035 yards are the most ever for a Falcons rookie. So BYU, in its long history, had never had a running back go for over 1,000 yards in an NFL season to do it on the same day yesterday. Thank, Wild. Thank you, 17-game schedule as well. How'd that help? Fred Warner had eight tackles in the Niners' win versus the Cardinals. Kyle Van recorded five tackles, a TFL sack, and a PBU. Michael Davis had a PBU and a tackle in the Chargers' loss to the Broncos. Kyrus Tonga had two tackles for the Vikings and win against the Bears. Got a game ball. Freddie Christensen and the Panthers beat Taysom Hill, who had five carries for 24 yards and a one-yard catch. Daniel Sorensen had another pick, four tackles. Commander's punt returner Dax Milne had seven returns for 55 yards and a win against How about them Cowboys? BYU men's basketball beats San Diego on the road convincingly, 68-48. Fusini Traore led with 15 points and 15 rebounds, doing his thing. Rudy Williams added 13.6 rebounds and three assists. Up next for the Cougars, who have won eight of their last nine, number nine Gonzaga, 9.30 Eastern on Thursday. Coverage on BYU Sports Nation game day, an hour before tip-off. You don't want to miss it. It's not on BYU TV, but we got you pre-post. Let's yes. Thursday night. Women's Hoops has won four in a row after a 63-49 win against San Diego, led by 21 points and 24 rebounds from Lauren Gustin. The 24 boards tied a Marriott Center record, and Gustin out-rebounded the entire San Diego team by one. Massive fantasy basketball implications there. Men's Volleyball. 
what a weekend. Sweeps McKendry on Friday. Mixed Romanus led with 10 kills. Capone Brown added, Brown added nine kills, three aces in a row in that match. Then they followed up with a number 14 upset victory, or number 14 Lewis, I should say, three sets to one on Saturday. Capone Brown, 16 kills at 522. He had four aces. Romanus added 14 kills and five digs. It's a nice 2-0 start to the season yep. for a team that had little expectation yep. going in. It was good to win, man. Brett Yormark told the media at the College Football Playoff National Championship Media Day, he of course is the Big 12 Commissioner, that quote, the 2023 Big 12 schedule is being finalized and should be released in the next two weeks. Mm. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Houston Haymuli, former BYU football player, now declares for the NFL draft with the following quote on social media, grateful for everyone who has been a part of my journey, excited for what's to come, hashtag NFL draft 2023. Good luck to Houston as he pursues professional football. Gymnastics put up a 193.775 for 15th overall in the Super 16 meet in Vegas to begin the season. Lise Rollins had a 9.9 on the beam. Miss Alvarado tied for second on the bars with 9.9 as well. Big meet coming up Friday night on BYU TV, 9 Eastern time from West Valley. The best of Utah meet with Utah, Utah State, Southern Utah, and the Cougs. That's a low score for gymnastics. Yep. I expect a much better score in meet number two. Hopefully that's the season low. Yeah, I think it will be. BYU men's swim and dive wins against Denver by a final of 129-114. The women drop their head-to-head -head meet against the Pioneers. Up next for both teams, the Air Force Invitational in Colorado Springs on January 20th and 21st. And the AP poll is out. Gonzaga moves up a spot to number eight, where they will take on BYU coming up Thursday, as mentioned in men's basketball. St. Mary's, six out. That's interesting. Uh, conversation for another day, but the Gales, their metrics look incredible in college basketball. Yeah, this ain't no Gale sports name. But they are not ranked. Gonzaga, number eight, let's go. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. Presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. We just went through the NFL headlines featuring all of those outstanding former BYU football players doing their thing at the next level. It has been a remarkable season, and we've said on the show, I keep using the phrase, it's been the superlative season for former Cougars because you've got arguably the best linebacker in the game in Fred Warner. You've got two running backs No one backs here is now. arguing that. Okay, <laughs> two running backs in Jamal Williams and Tyler Algier that eclipse 1,000 yards. That had never happened before. You had the most unique player in the league in Taysom Hill just with how versatile he is and, and what the Saints ask him to do. You got the most talked about player in the NFL, probably in Zach Wilson. You got the best coach, in Andy Reid. <laughs> and you got the best coach. Hall of Fame coach. This is it's it's been an incredible run. Oh, and then there's, you know, Kyle Van Noy has won a couple of Super Bowls and Michael Davis. Chargers are forcing. They got a shot. Jerem, is this the most relevant as a whole that BYU has ever been? In the National Football League. I mean, you could argue in the social media era, yes, because they obviously didn't have that. But in the 80s, in the heyday of BYU football, where, where it won a national championship and it was about to have a Heisman Trophy winner early in the next decade, I looked specifically in the 80s to just see what it looked like. Obviously, you and I are little kids at that point. 1987 was by far the most relevant year in BYU football history. This year was tremendous okay. for all the reasons you outlined, which, by the way, Jamal Williams leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns. Yeah. He breaks, not only breaks Barry Sanders' record, needs a 17th game to do it. Let's not uh, you know, forget that, hey, there's an extra game. But gets it done. You play the schedule you have. But 1987, let me walk you through. Three starting quarterbacks in the league. Three. So we had one, and we were excited, right? Um, 
Mark Wilson with the Raiders, Jim McMahon with the Bears, and then Steve Young was with Tampa Bay, soon to be with the Niners, of course. Todd Christensen is coming off 980-plus receiving yards the last four years. He's he, an all-pro tight end. He'd been all-pro in 83 and 85. Vaisika Hemma's first-team all-pro in 87 as a punt returner. Bardot's starting center for the Giants. Kurt Govea is with Washington. He's about to go to Win a the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl that year. Jason Buck and Leon Wider with Cincinnati. Tom Holmes with the Niners. Todd Shells with the Niners. Trevor Maddich is in New England. Lee Johnson is punting. You literally had guys everywhere doing something. Glenn Kozlowski's with the Bears, and so on and so forth. Um, 1987 is the top of the mountain. You have three starting quarterbacks. Like that piece alone probably puts you over the top. And if Zach Wilson had had like an amazing season and the Jets are in the playoffs, maybe there's an argument. But I, I just think. Coming out of the incredible 79 to 85 for BYU. You won a national championship. In 87, you have all these guys almost in the NFL, plus a few others like Todd Christensen from the right before 79. So I, I'm going to go with specifically 1987. But what BYU did in the NFL this year, and is still doing in the playoffs, we, this could be capped off with uh, another Super Bowl for, uh, let's be honest, Fred Warner with the Niners, amazing. As the two seed, I think, right? And then, uh, of course, the Chiefs are awesome. Maybe somebody else. But what BYU is doing now is awesome. Because if I'm Harvey Unga, I am using this the next couple of weeks before signing day going, look what we've done. We have Jamal Williams and Tyler Algier, 2,000-yard guys. There are three schools that produced multiple 1,000-yard rushers in the NFL. Alabama did three, Penn State did two, and BYU. This is QBU. We love our running backs, though, and you look at these numbers. Georgia, of course, as well. Um, you forget that Justin Fields, I guess, did it as a quarterback. Okay, just any 1,000-yard rusher. There you go. That is an incredible graphic, and what BYU did to be relevant. Jamal Williams and the Lions were awesome. Like, it's almost a bummer they're not in the playoffs. I told you. I, I'm so bummed they're not. Not at the sacrifice of my Seahawks, but I would have loved for them they're to be the in the most likable They're so team. hot right now. They're the most likable team in the league. Hansel, so hot right now. That's yes. the Lions. But – just awesome to see that in every facet of the game. It's not like it's just offense or just players even, yeah. right? Andy Reid and Fred Warner are the best at their positions. Jamal was the best at scoring touchdowns see, rushing now, in the NFL. This was pretty unique in that regard. That's what makes it different than 1987 is the superlatives. The most, the best, the number one, the most unique. Ramsey's the number one. 87 is just overall goodness, right? There's just so much BYU spread across the NFL. And, you know, Gavea was a fantastic linebacker. He won a Super Bowl that year. But in, in that age, was Jim McMahon the best quarterback? No, neither was Mark Wilson. Steve Young was not, you know, the best yet. He had to wait until 1994 to get to that level. And, you know, punctuate his Hall of Fame career. Yeah, 92 is NFL MVP. I think yes, too, right? okay. Yeah. I'm saying like punctuate the Hall of Fame career. You win sure. the Super Bowl, you're an MVP again. So there was a little bit of time that had to take place, but like just over, from a sheer standpoint of like body of work, 87 was, it was incredible. Yes. But BYU is unique this year with the superlatives. It's just like the, the players that are, that are in the league and are getting attention are like the most. They're, they're just at the top of their game. So, literally, right? Jamal, nobody scored more touchdowns than Jamal Williams. When you break Barry Sanders' record, regardless, like if it took an extra week, whatever, even if he only finished with 15 in 16 weeks and it's one behind Barry Sanders, it was awesome. It's an unforgettable season. Tyler Algier 
got kind of a slow start to a season. So for him to do what he did after not being the lead back to begin with is remarkable, right? He surpassed Daryl Patterson, and he needed to have a yeah. big day to get those thousand plus yards and not just that so he eclipses that mark but then he gets 35 more to become the all-time leading rookie rusher in Falcons history so I it, it is it's unique in the fact that BYU and the and the players that we're talking about right now in this era are at the top of their game the fact that BYU has Fred Warner in the league and I mean that that alone is awesome right best linebacker he's the best defensive player in the NFL from BYU ever yeah, who's better than who's no, better than? No Fred? one's been all pro defensively from BYU. He did it a couple years ago. Yeah, not Jason. Well, not even Jason Buck or Kirk Vea, right? They were they were very good. They weren't the best. But player they weren't in, the best player at, at their, their position. position yeah. in the league. So Fred is the greatest is very, defensive player. It is from very unique. And I do love the social media age, and we're not going to get lost in recency bias because. And that's why I say eighty-seven. Yeah. Because your point is super valid. I just want it because you're if you're at BYU right now, you don't know who Leon White is. You just don't. And we cannot forget the past, right? Otherwise, we're doomed to repeat it. But the past was awesome for BYU. Oh, I have to repeat that in the Big 12. And uh, the fact that BYU is doing this now is awesome because guess what? We used to say with BYU, well, I don't know if the draft matters. Da-da-da, we're here to win games. Broncos, sometimes it felt like, ah, it's not my job necessarily. Yes, it is. It is BYU's job to get the best players in the NFL. Yeah. You know why um, you know, Kingsley Suamatia comes here? Because he thinks he could make it in the NFL as like a first, second rounder. Because he looked at Brady Christensen in the 2020 season he had. Certainly Zach Wilson would have helped this conversation. Um, he was extremely relevant in terms of conversation. A lot of talk about Zach. Hopefully he finds his way still. But um, this, this is QBU. BYU's got to get Jaron in the league, and they will. Hopefully Jaron finds some success. Hopefully Keaton Slovis. Yeah. Is in the NFL in a year and a half Can from now. Can he become another the former BYU quarterback to get to the league? Taysom Hill certainly carved out the most unique spot in, in almost NFL history for himself. This has been awesome. BYU should and needs to use the, these as recruiting pitches to say, listen, we're just getting going. We yeah. weren't even a Power 5 yeah. team yet, and look at what we have did. Now put us in a Power 5, increase the money, the facilities, continued exposure with ESPN and Fox, and where can we go from here? Jamal Williams is a kid, not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, young black kid, comes to BYU at 17, and BYU puts his arms around him. He puts his arms around BYU, and both have benefited in an amazing way. Same with Tyler Algier. Walk on, not a member of the church. Um, and he comes here, and he is 100% a coog and amazing, sure. and it's fun to watch them succeed. If I'm Harvey Yunga, I am in running back potential recruits' uh, houses saying, Look at these two guys. They got a thousand. These guys, came, Jamal came to BYU with some excitement. Tyler came with no excitement. Was literally Ubering to Walmart to make ends meet, playing defense for BYU a little bit. And look at what these guys have done. This is a credit first to them, and second to you know their families and the coaches. And it's just today's a day of celebration as a BYU fan yeah. to see these guys succeed in that way. And we're certainly excited because they're BYU guys. What is relevance? It's being being talked, talked about. about. So Zach is the most relevant BYU football so, player. Because, I mean, if we're answering the question, like, just straight up, is this the most relevant, the most talked about? Relevant to me also means been it matters. In the NFL. It matters. So as cool as it was, I'm sure, to be written about in the New York Times and newspapers back in the late 80s, the social media game has changed everything. 
right? Well, so then there's nothing would be, from would BYU have been, 2009 then. Would BYU have been, as talked about in 1987, with those players and the three quarterbacks? If we had it, BYU Sports Nation in 1987, <laughs> I think we would have liked it quite a bit. We would have loved it for sure. But And you would have recorded it on your uh, VHS at home. Like, the personalities matter is what I'm getting at. Like, it, it just – because Jamal is who he is and – Tyler comes from the story that he did, and Zach Wilson is who he is, and Andy Reid is who, who he is. They're talked about more. So they're not just talked about in the BYU circles. and like, These are main storylines. I don't lines know what all... the Detroit Free Press was writing in 1987. I Everybody's talking about Jamal is my point because he is who he is. LeBron James <laughs> takes to Twitter last night and yeah. says straight up, I love this guy. I love, I love this kid I love so, so much. much. So dope. Yeah. You have a fan in me, Jamal, quote you tweeting his walk-off in interview, me. right? Yeah, and, and uh, you know, shout out to Jamal's family because his great-grandfather died, we learned. He was extremely emotional after the game about that. Yeah. yeah. So, again, I don't want to get lost in recency bias, but because Jamal is who he is and the players are who they are, it just feels like they're being talked about more, but again, it's a different age. It's it's hard to compare. It's 35 years ago in 1987. But we have an hour to fill on a Monday. Different media, obviously. So it, it's a fun conversation. Is this the most talked about BYU has ever been in the NFL? Was that the question? Uh, relevant. Well, I'm saying relevance is being talked about, right? That's what I'm saying. Relevance to me also means it matters. Yeah. If you're relevant, you matter. Our voice of the nation with this question of the day now is this. Is this the most relevant BYU has ever been in the NFL? At Playoff Bogey on Twitter answers, most relevant was obviously the Steve Young era. He's the most relevant player BYU's ever had. Yeah, like when he's winning the Super Bowl, everybody knows him. For sure. BYU, and he's the culmination. Like, Ty is the collegiate culmination of BYU quarterbacks. Steve's the NFL. Steve is the pro football. Individual. Culmination. Individual. Quarterbacks. Yes. Collectively, Playoff Bogey is saying, this is the most relevant BYU's ever been at multiple positions on multiple teams. So many guys are killing it in the NFL right now, and it's beautiful to watch. Yeah, it's, it's great to have done it in multiple times, right? This isn't the first time BYU's had this situation, right? As we chronicled. In the 80s, BYU had a ton of dudes yeah. doing awesome stuff. For sure. Great. Like, a lot of really good players in 1987. Just a ton of good players. And a 10% of the league was a starting yeah. BYU quarterback. There are fewer players now compared to 87 that BYU has in the league now, but those players are doing, like, greater things than the collective was doing in 1987, per se. So it's a unique conversation there. Really fun. It's great to be great in multiple eras. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, you know, and one day we'll get to Alabama status. You know, let's keep going. <laughs> okay, join Greg Rubel and Mark Pope tomorrow as they uh, look back at the road trip split. Eighth-ranked Gonzaga coming into town Thursday night. It's BYU Basketball with Mark Pope. Get your tickets uh, on Eventbrite. Just uh, Google the name, BYU Basketball Park Pope. 8.30 Eastern tomorrow night on the BYU TV. BYU men's basketball earns a 20-point road win on Saturday. Cody Feger amped about it. We're going to ask him how you bounce back in that way and what's the game plan for the Zags? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Tiki, and it's another Atiki alley-oop. 
Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B on a fantastic Monday. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. It is our pleasure now to welcome in BYU basketball assistant coach Cody Feger, fresh off a dominant win in San Diego. On top of being in San Diego, just the venue alone is amazing, right, with the Flip weather. You. you win by 20, Cody, so congratulations on that. How are you feeling after the weekend? Uh, pretty good, you know. I uh, appreciate that. Yeah, the guys really played hard and transition defense was a lot better on on Saturday and yeah, it was good other than a Packers loss last night. <laughs> so let's go there. That was tough obviously the Seahawks benefited from that uh, but yeah emotionally what was that like because it was a crazy day in the NFL. Yeah so have you guys seen the movie Anger Management? <laughs> you know the 76ers fan that's like you know what I'm not gonna let it bring me down I'm not gonna think about it I'm not gonna get too excited about the Packers at all. Last night I got caught up into it a little bit and kind of had a little anger of man. <laughs> Just for a little bit, I'm way better today. I had a roommate at BYU, all my other roommates know because we still laugh about this, who punched a hole in the wall for a regular season Atlanta Braves game. Wow. So it can get worse. It wasn't even wow. playoffs, no playoff education. Regular season Braves. Uh, doesn't deserve it. But after Thursday, certainly a disappointing loss to LMU. How did you get the guys up for, again, a, kind of a sneaky San Diego team that, hey, it's been hard to win there for BYU, and you guys win by 20. Like, how did you get the guys ready for that? Um, I mean, Coach Pope is, I mean, he's an unbelievable leader. You know, we, we talk about after the game, um, just trying to get the guys out, out of the locker room. Let's get, get to the hotel. And we drove down to San Diego right away. And our focus was, all right, during this LMU game, what are some points that we can uh, help us get to San Diego, right? So things that we can still get better at as a team and more focus about us, but also get ready for the San Diego game. So that's kind of what we put all our, all our eggs in, and, and the guys really, you know, answered the bell. You put San Diego into a really interesting scenario. By interesting, I mean it's their worst nightmare going nine minutes without scoring against BYU. What did you do defensively to cause them some problems and, and put them in such a long scoring drought in that game? Yeah, so our guys uh, had the game plan down, right? Uh, our game plan was switch one through five, um, so there wasn't a lot of rotations. And um, just to have them take shots that they don't want to usually take, because they're a really good three-point shooting, uh, three shooting team. Uh, I think they're top 40 in the country. Um, shooting the ball from three. So our goal was just to get them to take three-point shots that weren't usually taking or pull up mid-range twos. And luckily, they took a lot of those all game long. You guys have done a good job defending that. Pacific came into that game, kind of number one in the league, limited them, which was great. Spencer Johnson returned to the starting lineup. What went into the decision for now's the time for him to return? Um, there was a couple things. You know, um, we just wanted to play a little bit better in transition defense to start the game. And then also Noah kind of had a little little nagging shoulder kind of deal that he was kind of going through and just going to want to keep that warm and just put out a different lineup and change things up and uh, just see what, you know, it's awesome having Spencer in there, you know. Speaking of rotations, Trevin Nell certainly uh, weighing the decision to return or not. Um, at this point in the season, would it still be worth it for Trevin to come back? Because we saw Gavin came back in 1920. It was worth it defensively against Gonzaga. With this group and the guards and the amount of guards and the quality there, I'm wondering if it's just better to save it for two years in the Big 12. Certainly, maybe up to him. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's, it's up to Trevin right now, you know. If he wants to be back and ready to go, we will take him open arms, right? It's, it's up to him. 
what does he want to be doing in the next year, two, you know, three years? It's I want to see threes made in love. <laughs> yeah. in Houston, that's what I want to see. Yeah. That would be nice because he, he can shoot that ball really yeah. well. So Cody Feger with us on BYU Sports Nation, BYU basketball assistant coach. Coming off a win at San Diego, you've won eight of your last nine as a team. Hey. Three and one in West Coast Conference played the metrics. I don't know how much you pay attention to those at this point of the season. They do. Net they rankings do, right? and Ken Palm and – they're better than they have been, so they're in an upward trajectory. And you got Gonzaga coming to town. So how does that affect the dynamic of the Gonzaga game, knowing that you are on the upswing? And this certainly is a statement-type game that you could have. Yeah, I mean, the, the guys are really excited about it. We, we already met watched film this morning. Um, you know, it, it's just it's Gonzaga coming in here. You know, they've been running the WCC for a long time, and – our guys know about them. They, we talk about them all the time. Um, defensively, that's something that we've really gotten better over the last eight, nine games that you're talking about. Um, so that's something that we're going to definitely hang our hat on for this game. And um, offensively, keep making simple plays for each other, trying to protect this ball a little bit better. Uh, just like what every coach deals with, right, is turnovers, and that's something that we talk about every day. And those are those are kind of the main things that we're talking about. Certainly, you'll dig into the Zags uh, today and tomorrow in the next couple of days. But what are you seeing from them that's maybe different from the last couple of years? Because they they see they've obviously lost three games. They're three really good teams. They were down in the last two minutes last week with San Francisco and Santa Clara. Granted, those are good quality teams. What are you seeing from the Zags right now? Um, I see them. You know, they, they don't have that. They haven't had the, you know, NBA, you know, point guard right now, right? They just haven't had that guy that they've had the last three years. Um, but they're still running hard in transition. They still got Drew Timmy, who's been a top three player the last three years in all of college basketball. Um, but things that Santa Clara and San Francisco did is that they played transition defense for about 38 minutes of that game and their rebounding was off the charts on both sides of the ball. Um, so that's something that we have to do at a really high level here too. You know, that, that's something that we talk about every single day, all day long, is transition D and rebounding with Gonzaga. That's the most important thing. So you're saying 38 minutes until the last two minutes? The last is that two what you're minutes, referring to? Yeah, okay. yeah. The last two minutes kind of got, you know, um, San Francisco banged up and also Santa Clara. Yeah, Same interesting. Two things. And, and then regarding uh, defensive transition, does that, a take away, does, does that take away from one of the strengths of the BYU team, which is Foose on the offensive glass? Or can it be, Foose, you go hard, but guards, you got to get back? Yeah, it, it does a little bit at times, right? It just kind of depends on if, if Foose, we, we usually want Foose going every single time. But this time is if he's got a beat on it, get it. If not, you got to sprint your butt back, right? Yeah, like all exact, five. Yeah, all five. Just like what we did with San Diego. We only got, I think, three offensive rebounds that game, and that's been a huge thing for us is offensive rebounding. But didn't you didn't need that to win. We didn't you need to that to back. win. Yeah, gotcha. that was our biggest thing, and make it a five-on-five five game in the half court. So, You bring up making simple plays and protecting the ball, limiting turnovers. How do you simulate something like that in practice to, just encourage, give Cody the to ball. encourage those things. <laughs> That's how you do it. We're not talking elite three-point shooters right now. We're just talking about protecting the ball. So how, what do you do at this juncture of the season in practice to simulate that? Um, we do a ton of three-on-three, five-on-five, uh, transition offensive stuff, um, and, you know, three-on-three and five-on-five five in the half court. Just a ton of just decision-making drills and just making a simple play, right? We'll just, we'll just give them a couple different defensive 
um, like exactly how Gonzaga is going to play or exactly how Pepperdine is going to play, like in the next couple games, um, how they how they guard defensively or different traps and things like that, and just making the simple play. Just make don't make the home run pass. Just make the next easy pass, right? And that's just really important for us down the line here. Speaking of, Rudy Williams is most effective, it seems, when he gets to the free throw line because he's a tremendous shooter from there. Uh, this last game was evident of that. How do you make sure he gets to the free throw line? Is that just a mentality? Is that an aggression level for him with the basketball in his hand? It's definitely an aggression level. And for Rudy, the last eight, nine games, his decision-making has just been 100 times better than starting the season. So Rudy will come in and watch the clips of every single time he has the ball in his hands and just kind of this decision-making process and what he's seeing and what he's doing. And he's really taking it to heart and he's working on it. And he, he actually loves coming in and, you know, uh, Coach Pope will spend some time with him. Um, and he's just grown so much in that area. And that's just helped him get to the free throw line when he can take his chances to get there. I'm excited to see Rudy. We, we talked about it last week um, about Rudy in the quad one games has been a kind of a different player. Thursday could be one of those nights. I'm really hoping so. Yeah, he's, he's been great. You know, he just comes in off the bench right now, and he just brings such a great spark and energy and, and uh, life to our team. BYU basketball assistant coach Cody Figure is on BYU Sports Nation. Let's talk more Drew Timmy because he is one of, if not the alpha guy for Gonzaga. What's the key to defending somebody like that that you know well but still seems to be so effective yeah i mean you every single team he plays against right i mean uh the best way to take drew timmy out of the game is trying not to let him get the ball right and that's the hardest thing to do with these big guys who's 610 and they got really good passing teams so he kind of finds angles to get it um a couple times he just brings the ball down in transition and dribbles right to the post. So we're going to try to give him a couple different looks, but just trying to keep the ball out of his hands as much as we can. During this uh, nine-game run of eight wins, when the team is playing great and you're winning, what is, what is it that is happening that you're going, okay, that is the winning formula for us? Well, for us, it, it's been our um, getting to the offensive glass offensively, right? That, that's, been, that's been huge for us. Turnovers have been down other than... A couple of games we've had a couple of bad turnovers. Isn't it four and one with twenty plus still or something? Like it's this weird number that Tyler, I, I, Tyler has. I go, no, that's the winning number. That's a credit to, you, to, to he goes, you. It's not sustainable. Of course it's not. But there have been some games where you've overcome that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it was at Pacific. We had just a couple of just wild turnovers, right? Um, but it's been our transition defense. Mm. Transition defense, like in LMU, we were good for most of that game, but. The, they had 13 points in transition in the first half, right? And that was just such a huge key going into that game. Um, so offensive rebounding, transition D, and defensive rebounding. And and we've been guarding the three-point line way better, too, right? I mean, that's been a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, we're close to being a top 25 defensive team right now. So that's... That Keep climbing, yeah. Yeah, we're hanging our hat on, on the defensive end. Hey, oh. it took a sec, but it's there. Right at the beginning of the year, we were like, okay, what's BYU going to you, – you invested in defense and uh, almost top 25 is awesome. Do you care how the wins happen? Because this team is finding unique and different and sometimes, I don't know, ways to win games, right? So do you, do you care how those happen? Not really. I don't, I don't care. I just, I just want to win at the end of the day, and I just want everyone to feel like they're a part of it. And um, the only time I get a little frustrated is the turnovers right now. Like, that's the biggest thing. It's like, come on. 
but four and one with 20 plus, so I don't know. <laughs> um, Thursday, that's ugly. Thursday night, it's kind of an end of an era, right? Last home game with Gonzaga in the WCC. Certainly Kansas, Baylor, Houston, and so on and so forth. It's going to be awesome in the next couple of years and forever. But what, what is this, uh, this game, the Gonzaga game, especially in Provo, meant to, to BYU and BYU fans? And obviously in Spokane, there have been some great wins too. Yeah, I mean, it's just really important. I mean, they're the usually the top top team in the country, right? They've been that the last four years. Uh, this year, they're I think they're ranked number 10 or 9, or I forget what they're ranked right now. It's just an incredible team. Like Coach Few's done, and I mean, come on. Nobody's done a better job than him at a place like Gonzaga. So them coming in here, and it's just really important to all of us and our team and our players. It's something that we all talk about and care about, and something for, important for the fans. You know, a neighbor will drive by, and he'll say, hey, good luck against Gonzaga. Go get Gonzaga. That's the most important thing. It's so not doing it really for uh, anybody else. Not nobody else. Doesn't even know we're playing Pepperdine. No. Yeah. <laughs> you like it against Pepperdine. What? Yeah. Awesome. Exactly. So clearly you've passed your anger management courses. Yes. <laughs> You're in a good place now. But I <laughs> maybe it's singing with Jack Nichols and I feel pretty. You know, you know that you know the scene I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. Fantastic scene. Okay. Do whatever you gotta do to, to stay in that mindset. Um and as I ask you this, I know I ask with all the love of my heart, have we seen the last of your beloved Aaron Rodgers in a Green Bay Packers uniform? I don't know. I, you know, I, I watched a little bit last night as he's, you know. Keeping his jersey. Keeping his jersey and putting his arm around Randall Cobb, like those two guys walking out together. And, you know, I don't know. I think so. I, I hope not, but I think it is. Yeah. We'll see. Yep. But there's love for Jamal, right? He's always he's once oh, a Packer, Jamal, always like, a Packer, right? Once know, a Packer, always a Packer. Yeah, he's he's a stud, man. Come on, he's <laughs> I love watching him play. I wish we still had him. Yeah, he's the best. Cody, it's great to catch up with you, man. Congratulations on all the success. Uh, winning when you have 20 plus turnovers. Let's hope that's not the case this week. But <laughs> it's not gonna work Thursday. Find, find a way. Uh, let's give you some karma for the game against. Yeah, Kansas. good luck. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Okay, coming up uh, Thursday, 8.30 Eastern Time, we've got an hour pregame show. This game is not on BYU TV, but we're doing a pre- and post-game show for BYU and Gonzaga. Let's go, baby. Spencer on the court, Blaine and Tyler with me in studio, 8.30 Eastern, Thursday night on BYU. Let's go. And up next on BYU Sports Nation, which former BYU football player still in the playoffs has the best chance of winning a Super Bowl? We'll discuss. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Hey, to follow the show on social media, interact with it, get some great content throughout the day. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. Welcome back to the show. I am Spencer Linton. He is Jerem Jordan. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Which BYU alum made it to the NFL playoffs has the best chance to win the Super Bowl? Hard to argue with Andy Reid and the Chiefs, right? Just because he's like he might be the best coach in the game, and the Chiefs are the number one seed in the so AFC good. playoffs. So good with that They're first so good round they buy can do play. ring around the rosy. And, and go score a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck was that? An Andy Reid special. <laughs> They do whatever they want, so and it silly. works. Uh, I like Fred Warner's chances a lot. It's yep. great. Yep, until uh, Saturday. But Andy Reid feels like the leader in the clubhouse at this point. Yeah. I, I wonder if the Chargers can just sneak up on some people as the four seed. You got two Cougs there with Michael Davis, of course. 
Vikings are the worst good team in NFL history. They had a negative point differential and still uh, won the division. It was like a really weird stat, right? Um, yeah, They're down go, 38 to nothing in a game this year and won. I'll go with Fred Warner and the Niners, although I hope the Niners lose Saturday this year. <laughs> okay. Speaking of the Minnesota Vikings, head coach Kevin O'Connell gave Kairos Tonga, but he said, where's my man Tonga? The game ball after the Vikings win, calling him a huge addition to the team. Did Kairos have the most underrated season from a Cougar in the NFL? I think so. We haven't uh, talked about him a ton, but he was on the Bears, uh, played a little bit, but he moves over to uh, the Vikings, and he's a real good part of that uh, you know, interior defense, of course. Minnesota in the playoffs. Good for Kairos. Gets to taste the playoff, gets to taste that playoff. Uh, Doe as well. Yeah, yes. Kyrus is um, what BYU hopes to get defensively, which is interior defensive linemen that can really make a difference. I I'm hoping there are more Kyrus Tongas down the line for BYU defensively. Uh, he certainly is underrated. I still think when all is said and done, Tyler Algier is going to have the most underrated season of any former Cougar just because it's on a Falcons team that's not going to the playoffs. Yeah. And he was awesome, but not a ton of people are going to talk about Tyler Algier outside of Atlanta and BYU. Like it just—it's not like an NFL storyline. And no one talks about D tackles that don't get sacks. Like yeah, just, yeah. But we know what Kyrus is. He's tremendous. Amazing. Sports Illustrated's Ross Dellinger tweeted the following: uh, Big 12 Commissioner uh, Brett Yormack says there's nothing new on Texas and Oklahoma's move to the SEC. He's hoping to discussing an early exit before 25. Those talks are happening. 23. Big 12 schedules being finalized and should be released in the next two weeks. Isn't it about time? I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, there was another All right, <laughs> Thomas. tweet I saw from another report that said, Brett Yormark also added, it'll be out very soon. What, if, is, well, is soon two weeks? Like, we do, we, do we buy into this? We read very soon in the Doctrine Covenant says hundreds of years, so we're used to sort of those it's January. It's January 9th. Like, at one point they said February. So I've got my money in February. Like, February 1st, which would be three and a half weeks. Yeah, just when it's out, just show me. I, yeah, just don't tell me, show me. It was, um, it's unfortunate because we thought it was going to be in October. And then it was November. And then it was December 1st. Now it's February. What a, just just tell me when it's out. But now two weeks from January night now. I'm, I'm, my money's on February. All right. BYU men's volleyball goes 2-0 over the weekend, including a win over number 14, Lewis. Lewis. Solid performance in the Smithfield House. Is it too early to raise expectations? Yes, uh, it is. Uh, BYU certainly won, uh, had some flawed wins. Friday night was very flawed against McKendry. I was nervous because uh, Lewis played UC Irvine very well. But yeah, two really nice wins. Bye week this week. Fairleigh Dickinson coming into town next week. So you'd think that BYU's probably walking out 4-0 after the first uh, three weeks of the season. But uh, we'll see. BYU certainly has a lot to clean up from service and serve receive and consistency with the outside hitters and whatnot. Heath Hughes still finding his rhythm, but yeah, it was fun to see two wins. Yeah, it's too early to raise expectations. We they don't really know what Lewis team. is, but uh, but I do expect BYU to be ranked this week. Yeah, and Lewis's uh, setter was out, by the way. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Their backup was pretty good. BYU taking advantage of, uh, you know, a key roster player not being involved. Lauren Gustin goes for 21 points, 24 rebounds. Was that her best performance yet? I mean, is it, it's either 21 and 24 or the 22 and 23 she had like 10 days Four, earlier. 45 points in the rebound. <laughs> Amazing. It was it was interesting because it was kind of it was kind of quiet against San Diego. Like I felt it was like a her quiet 24 rebound. 22 23 against St. Mary's was more loud. It mm. just felt that way in the game, probably because it was more physical. When she scored, maybe. Yeah. When she rebounded. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I don't know. It, it, it's interesting, but I, so I'm going to say her game against, you know, the 22-23 performance is is probably still better. That was against Pacific, I should say, not St. Mary's. Um, she's incredible. Like, you know, what's crazy is like we think we look up on the board and she's going to have 16 rebounds on the game this year, and we're going to be like, yeah, like uh, underperformed tonight. It's only crazy. A, she's averaging 15. We're getting to that point where it's like, oh yeah, she had 15 and 15. Okay. I'll say tying the Merritt Center record is the one, yeah, her best chip. That's good. It's, it's, it's pretty incredible. All right, uh, listen to this from Jamal Williams uh, during a Sunday night football introduction. Our swag, Kazakage, leader of the hidden village of the Dean. Our swag, Kazakage, leader of the hidden village of the Dean. Our swag, Kazakage, leader of the hidden village of the Dean. Our swag, Kazakage, leader of the hidden village of the Dean. Our swag, Okay. Um... What the heck is he talking about there? It's, it's, uh, I'm assuming it's a character from an anime. Well, first... Leader of the Dead? Is that what he said? Kage, well, he says first sweat Kazikage, but he refers to himself as that on Twitter. Like, that's what's written on his Twitter name. Yeah, I don't, his handle, his I name. don't really know, one, what he was saying, and two, what it means. But I like it. He's huge into anime, yeah. which is why I wore the sweatshirt that I'm wearing today. You know, this is my throwback to uh, Japanese characters. He's big in anime, Pokemon. Are you saying this is anime Cosmo? Yes, this is, is an, absolutely this is anime Cosmo. He looks ticked. Well, he should be. Why would Cosmo be mad? Because you always he won eight of nine and uh, disrespected. <laughs> oh, this is this is Jamal like saying like we're the Detroit Lions. Stop sleeping on us, right? Cosmo's upset because he's in that mindset that Jamal had during his walk-off. Oh, interview. Cosmo's living through, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's living through Jamal. Oh, gotcha. Come on. Cosmo's in a good mood. Anime Cosmo. Cosmo's Scully. It's got no yeah, to be something with anime. Yep. <laughs> it's unique yeah, is what I, it I is. I don't know what he said, and it's okay. <laughs> Listen live as uh, BYU hosts eighth-ranked Gonzaga Thursday night in the Marriott Center. Coverage begins at 8.30 Eastern on BYU Radio and the BYU Radio app. Up next, does tonight's national championship college football game give hope to a future for BYU and the Big 12 and what they could do in the playoff? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B tonight, national championship college football with Future Big 12 foe for BYU TCU as a 13 and a half point underdog against the reigning national champion Georgia Bulldogs. All right, Jerem, does TCU playing for the national championship in some way give BYU fans hope that the Cougars will get their shot at something similar once they're in the Big 12? It's certainly been a magical run by TCU. They've won all these one score games except the Kansas State game where they lost in overtime. There's a certain amount of luck involved there um, to just a play's got to go your way here, there. You stay healthy enough. Da, 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 da. Was it lucky scoring 51 against Michigan? <laughs> well, no, but like the whole, you don't even play Michigan if you don't uh, win all but one of those games. Um, yes and no. Like, listen, if BYU can go 10 and 2 in a regular season in the Big 12, that'll be one of the greatest seasons in BYU history, football history. Um, you put the 84 team in the current Big 12, like, do they go 10 and 2? It's a hard, it's going to be a hard road. Certainly TCU has done something incredible. There's uh, some, some understanding of TCU as a program because they were in the WAC and Mountain West with BYU and they've been in the Big 12 now since 2012. Um, so 
Yes and no. Like, I'm not thinking BYU's going to play for a natty anytime soon, although that'd be great, and it's certainly the goal to win a national championship. But if BYU can just get to the Big 12 title yeah. game at some point, I'm pretty happy. And, and if that happens once in the first 10 years, I am also happy with that. A couple of things are at play <coughs> Excuse me, are at play for BYU here, and that is, one, yeah, you're going to the Power Five, and so now comes funding and hopefully better recruiting, but the playoff is also expanding to 12 teams. And there is rhetoric out there that it could very easily expand to 16 teams. Like the FCS. So that helps BYU's cause to get into the most relevant of college football tournaments now if that playoff expands to 12 or 16. Um, and isn't it interesting that in, the, in year 11, it's – the two teams, Utah and TCU, that most recently made the jump from Group of Five to Power Five that are both kind of having like these memorable runs. The Utes are the back-to-back -back Pac-12 champs, go to two straight Rose Bowls, and TCU is in a national championship game. So, I mean, are BYU fans thinking, just 11 years in, let's go. Give <laughs> let's, us let's, that. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. What can BYU do over a decade? What? How much better can BYU be? Can BYU find the the depth uh, that they've been lacking. Can they find the strength and conditioning situation to get them in a position to win? Like, like the 2021 team was certainly interesting. They were in the mix, right, for a New Year's Six bid, which was very exciting. You've you've got to have two or fewer yes. losses in the regular season. And honestly, Utah prior to this year had benefited from a weak South Division at times to get to that title game, right? BYU is not going to have that in the Big 12. Certainly this year, Utah earned it to go and play Oregon as one of the top two teams when they eliminated the division thing. Granted, it ended up being South versus North anyway. But in the Big 12, there's some good teams. And guess what? It's, it's uh, Texas and Oklahoma the first two years. That's tough, too. Granted, Oklahoma took a step back. Texas not been the same. You're playing a bunch of four and five stars. Yeah. Like, like, BYU is going to be out-talented in the upper part of uh, the Big 12 in every game. But can they scheme? Can they outwork? Can they out-execute? Obviously, BYU typically overachieves in that way because they are disciplined, because they are well-coached. I would hope that in 10 years we're sitting here going, remember what BYU was? They've recruited way better. Facilities are way better. Can you use that money in an effective way to outdo other teams? Because they're getting the same yeah. amount. It's not like suddenly BYU's out-raising uh, everybody. Give me one, one spot in the college football playoff, even if it's expanded in the first 10 years. Awesome. Oh, that would be, be great. And wait, now we're, let me clarify something. Were you saying it was north-south in the Pac-12 anyway? Because wasn't it south-south with Utah-USC? Oh, USC. I was thinking Oregon was in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It was south-south. We all thought Oregon so, was going to be in it, and then they played themselves out of it. Well, that's, that's my point, too. It's like, yeah, if it's divisions, then Utah's not even in the Pac-12 title. Yeah, they're not like, in it. Like, they benefited from yes. sometimes it yes. being weak, and this year from it being... But you play the cards you have. If you're Jamal, you're not like, my 17 didn't count. Yes, but I'm just acknowledging, hey... There were 17 games that helped this. One spot in the playoff, expanded playoff, in the first 11 I'd, years. I'd take it, man. Like, Let's go. Like, we're, we're sitting here hoping we win New Mexico Bowls right now. You know what I mean? Like, we're banged up or whatever. At the end of the year, you got to be ready to play. you got to be healthy enough to go. beer has got to do something it hasn't done, which is, at the end of the season, we are fully healthy for a big game, the Cotton Bowl in 97. Let's like roll, baby. One, right? Let's do it. Okay, catch every game and every interview again for the first time if you want or a second time if you missed it or, or you want to see it again, rather. BYUSN.com's got the games and shows and whatnot. Up next, Lauren Gustin is single-handedly defeating me in fantasy basketball this season. You know what? I'm not even mad because she's just so incredible. The results are next on BYU Sports Nation. She ate a whole wheel of cheese.
BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU radio app. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast as well. Time to recap our fantasy basketball results. And once again, I lost. Turns out the number one pick in the fantasy drafts for football and basketball make a huge difference. Yes, they do. <laughs> Let me recap my team first. Now, I had a 34-point lead going into Saturday's games. Lauren Gustin pretty much single-handedly uh, just wiped that yeah, away. Lord, Lord Gustin's the GOAT, man. Did you have like 52 parbs in one game or something? I think 49? it was a million. <laughs> 49, sorry. It was amazing. Incredible. Uh, my team finishes with 137 points. 160, I win. Five and you win by 23. You're down 34. Five you win up. by 23. Uh, call me the 1980 BYU football Lauren team. Gustin, you're 5-0 and oh this season. Okay. <laughs> It's very, very hit or miss for us, football, basketball. I, I won six in a row as well. I'd like to point that out from football. Congratulations. When Lauren Gustin is out, we'll see what happens. What, why you got to put that negative energy on her? Jeez. Say Jaron Hall was out final game of the season. Wow. Jeez. I didn't say, hey, when Jaron Hall's out. Gosh. <laughs> you were an apology. Uh, <laughs> Our question Jeez. of the day. Is this the most relevant BYU has ever been in the NFL. Uh, at the Croxall on Instagram, answers, absolutely. We have not one but two guys with 1,000-plus rushing yards this season. Combine that with the success of several other guys playing for multiple teams and contributing to their respective teams. The answer to the question is yes. Well, today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. And uh, I got several. Jamal Williams, yeah. Tyler Jr., amazing. Mark Pope sends head manager Jordan Juice Woodson to the national title game tonight. Stayed in SoCal. And uh, Rebecca Ripley uh, getting uh, some love on social media for her Barbie-inspired floor routine from BYU Gymnastics. Let's go. As always, thanks to our sponsors, PAX, Healthcare Elevated, presenting our elite voice of the day. Our thanks to today's guest, Cody Feger. Sorry to who, Jerem? Oh, yeah, okay. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout-out to Jason Walker. We'll see you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. Go Kooks and go Frogs!